Namaste India and hello world. My name is Preeti Chaudhary and I'm your friendly host for this episode of Diversity Dialogue powered and kindly sponsored by StreamYard here on LinkedIn via LinkedIn Live. We are here today to discuss a very unconventional topic. But before we can do that, we need all the actors on this stage. So please allow me to get everyone into the stream so that we can get started. Here is my partner in crime, my dear friend and MC curator of this telepanel, Dr. Rupinder Kaur. Here is our dear panel, Shivani from Macquarie Group. Then there is Isabel here, who is from Headquarter Leadership Group. And there is Dhanwan. So with that, it's once again, Namaste India, Hello World. Welcome to this edition of Diversity Dialogue with me, Preeti Chaudhary, and Dr. Rupinder Kaur. It gives us immense pleasure to bring you this series of very important conversations, a way of sensitizing people towards the importance of equity, inclusion, diversity, and belonging at the same time. There have been many efforts and, and many things in the past. The time for lip service is over. The time for action is now. This series is an effort to bring those issues, those less talked about issues to the fore, things like neurodiversity, things like evolving trends and scenarios in the uh, DIB uh, spectrum and all of that. So with that, it gives me immense pleasure to once again welcome all of you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to this edition of Diversity Dialogue powered by StreamYard. With that, the stage is set. The parties are all here. Let me pass the baton over to my dear friend, Dr. Rupinder Kaur, who will set the context for this talk, which will be a scintillating one hour of nonstop insightful conversation. Over to you, my dear friend. Thank you. Thank you, Preeti, for bringing to us yet again episode of Diversity Dialogues. Um, it's been a very, very insightful journey since the last year or so when we started. And today's um, topic of discussion, you know, is very close to my heart. Um, and I'll enumerate the reasons just in a while. But let me take you back to a point in time in history. In 2008, um, Mark Zuckerberg hired Sheryl Sandberg um, away from Google to become the chief operating officer of Facebook. Um, five years later, Sandberg made her own headlines and captured the top spot on bestsellers list with Lenin, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead, a lovely book that I read many, many years back, um, to actually capture the top spot. And a, and a polyminical memoir that helped redefine conventional thinking around women in business, in society, and in culture at large. Um, and by early 2014, from a global landscape, Obama administration had uh, finally ended a long-standing ban on women in combat, yeah? uh, which, of course, our country, uh, coming from the armed forces myself, just opened uh, a few years back. And that too, not fully, but at least we've opened up to having 
women to permanent commission, women in um, you know fighting arms, and also women as fighter pilots. So, so that's a good good starting point, which is happening a few years back. Um, Janet Yellen had taken over as a chair of the historically male-dominated Federal Reserve, um, and Google was in the process of actually making women tech makers, so to say. Um, and as we are speaking yesterday, it is so happening for me to share that our very own Ray Carmenon, the CEO of Accenture, has taken over as the CEO of NASCOM. So good job. If that's not women making history, then what is? Uh, you know, these developments actually reflect a reality in which opportunities for women in fields predominantly um, mastered by men are increasing. Women are increasingly taking over non-traditional careers, if I may call them so, in military, in business, in finance. And we have a women from business in finance. And so a very, very, uh, you know, challenging career, women in science, in technology, um, in leadership sports. And we have someone with us today from leadership sports. Um, so as we go along in the discussion today, we are going to examine the non-traditional careers really opening up for women, um, explore the personal and financial benefits of such an economy moving up and women moving into these fields, and also what can help facilitate this transition of women moving into such non-traditional careers. I'm going to throw a quick challenge at you before I hand it over back to our host today. Have you heard of the name Mehvish Mushtaq? Yeah, you have? The developer of the Dial Kashmir app. Now, this young 23-year-old has made history by actually designing an app um, which helps, uh, again, the local Kashmiris to get the help that they need. How about Avani Sabade? captain of the Indian rugby team, the first woman of Indian uh, rugby. Rugby, any which way, is not a very great uh, followed sport in India. And that to women rugby. Wow, isn't that brilliant? How about Rajini Pandit, Maharashtra's first private detective? And so think of some of these women who've really challenged to break the stereotypes, come from their own, you know, um, challenge the status quo and say we want to do this. It takes a lot. It takes much more, and it's easier said than done. And we will unravel some of these questions, thoughts, uh, societal narratives that help women and that thought women going forward. But for now, I'm going to just invite you to sit back, hear stories from our panelists in the day, how they have made it, what are their personal struggles, and how did they um, you know, break barriers to overcome some of the challenges that society put up for them. So back to you, Preeti, on this note to take it forward. Thank you, Rupinder, for that absolutely spot on context setting and expectation setting for this conversation moving forward. Now then, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you're ready, I am ready to introduce the two lovely ladies on our panel today, and I will start first with Shivani Batra, who is the Associate Director of Strategy and People Enablement at Macquarie Group of Australia. Now, more than me telling you her story, 
I would rather she tells you herself. So I am going to leave the introductions to just the basics so that we can dive deeper into the humans these lovely ladies are when they're speaking. So with that, I will move on to our next panelist, who is Isabel. And Isabel lives in Madras, and she is the director and CEO of Headquarters Leadership. And there is lovely Dhanwan right behind her, right there. Now that the introductions are out of the way, let's dive straight into the topics, my dear friends. And the topic for today, just as Rupinder said, is women in unconventional careers breaking the bastion. And to invite for the first talk or insight sharing, my dear friend Shivani, it is over to you to tell us your personal professional experience around this very important topic. Over to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Preeti, and thank you, Rupinder. I, first of all, an absolute pleasure to be here. It is a topic that's really close to my heart. I'm, I'm really passionate about uh, diversity, about inclusion, um, about speaking up, and a number of things. And I'd love to share some of those experiences uh, today in the hope that uh, it may benefit uh, somebody. You know, we always um, lean in on each other, and it can certainly benefit uh, as it will benefit me. You know, listening to the rich experience at the panel today. Um, I'm honestly going to park the introduction. So thank you, Preeti, for doing that. Um, I'm not going to do another introduction at all. Um, and uh, you know, the first time that I heard the topic, women in unconventional careers, I actually sat back and I asked myself, Shivani, are you really in an unconventional career? And uh, the answer was maybe not. Um, you know, I, I started in HI, and of course, a couple of years back, I did make a shift and a move into a more uh, commercially uh, driven, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, opportunity. But um, what I certainly did over the last couple of years is made some unconventional choices for myself that have led me to uh, to experience a very, very rich, um, you know, career journey um, over about 15 years now. Um, and and what are some of those, uh, you know, unconventional choices that I made for myself? I think um, I'm, I'm just going to pick up a cue from what Rupinder said, you know, and I and I love sharing this example of how Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In has inspired all of us. And and I remember this example and anecdote there that Sheryl shares, you know, where she says, um, women don't sit at the table very often. Uh, you know, in a typical conference scenario, if there's a if there's a boardroom conversation, we love to sit at the back and we don't generally sit at the table. We always prefer to offer that seat to someone else, maybe a male colleague or, or just someone else, someone more senior in the organization or someone in our team. But we don't generally take that seat ourselves. I think just hearing that that resonated with me so much. And, and perhaps that was a turning point in my career where where I sort of nudged myself and said, I've got to speak up more. It's not that opportunities don't come. Um, you know, sometimes we sit back, and I've done that. I'm guilty of it myself. That you know, you work hard. Uh, all of us work really hard, and you feel that well, that opportunity will come my way. Um, do we put our hand up enough and say, "How about I try that?" Do we? Don't we just sort of beat ourselves down really hard? Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we could be caregivers at home, we could be looking after kids, we could be running household, we could be managing multiple priorities. Do we ask for help? Do we speak up? So I'm a big advocate of speaking up. I, I encourage my team, my colleagues to speak up. I do that 
uh, more confidently now not that i won the battle there are days when i run away you know gather uh, you know gather my courage do a little bit of mindfulness deep breathing come back still stronger but i do speak up um and i think speaking up at a time like this uh, you know while we are in the middle of a global pandemic uh, you know where a lot of organizations and industries across the globe are witnessing recession we're also seeing something called as recession right which is where globally across the workforce a large number of women are dropping out of the workforce they are either taking a career break or they're just dropping out of the workforce because of the sheer requirement to look after um you know someone at home or to be the primary caregiver uh, so again i've been fortunate to to work for organizations uh, like macquery where uh, flexible working is acceptable uh, again comes back to putting my hand up and saying this could be an arrangement that might work well for me given my circumstances um and and more often than not uh, asking for it opens up a lot of conversations and doors um so that's my one takeaway if i could sort of cover today which is speaking up um, you know putting your hand up more often to ask for what you want uh, uh, you know in your career uh, the other also is um, leaning in a little bit more on each other and i think this panel conversation is a phenomenal example of that right as as women in the workforce or women uh, you know in the industry we are leaning in on each other so do we do that enough do we ask for help at home Uh, from family from parents from your spouse from your team from your manager do we ask and invite uh, help uh, you know to to sort of navigate difficult and challenging times and um, all of us have been in those situations really stressful days uh, equally stressful day at work uh, we beat ourselves down we work really long hours we want to do it all ourselves but we shy away from asking for help so again you know leaning in asking for help uh staying on top of your skills um so something that i you know decided a couple of years back for myself is spend 10 minutes a week but sharpen the saw for yourself uh stay updated you know invest that time in yourself uh, to sort of pick up new skills learn new technologies really challenge yourself and um, all of this still uh, you know i i would just just sort of top it up by saying uh, be mindful so so take the time to look after your well-being um if you are a little bit of an empty glass you can't pour into anything else or anyone else so do take the time to to keep your glass filled uh with lots of positive energy and lots of enthusiasm so you know those are some of the unconventional choices and and uh, examples that i can share from my career journey i'll take a pause here thank you so much shivani and the things that jump out to me there or you know speak up first of all ask for help and self care and self preservation the oxygen mask theory before we can actually go out and help others we have to first help ourselves fill our glasses first as you say and only then can we make a difference into everybody around us whether it is family friends spouse colleagues and everything else in between so thank you very much for sharing those candid personal insights with us and that brings me to our next panelist our dear isabel how are you today with dhanwan sitting right there what are your thoughts on this very important topic of you are the epitome and the picture of somebody in a very unconventional career right here you sitting in madras in chennai and there is dhanwan behind you you are into leadership please lead the way tell us what do you think it's over to you thank you 
Thank you so much, Preeti, and thank you so much for the invitation. Um, I think, yeah, it really, it's something fascinating. So right now I call myself a horse leadership coach because I actually get a lot of help and a lot of support from the horses. And what do horses have to do with women empowerment is also a very interesting story because we have here right next to me a horse called Danvan. He's a male horse. And next to him is his friend. And she is called Sunshine. And you can sometimes Right. We seem to be having some sort of a technical difficulty there with Isabel. But I'll come back to you, Shivani, if you would like to add a little bit more to your original thoughts. And I'm sure by the time uh, Isabel would figure out something and be back. So it's over to you, my dear friend. Take it all out. Thank you. Sure. Um, thanks uh, for that. And um, I, I think just something else that I'd like to add on is, um, uh, you know, is, is more for organizations and how um, I think in our respective roles, we can enable um, development and coaching opportunities for women early on. I think it's a, it's a big area of uh, focus. Uh, uh, Rupinda, you are aware of, of how focused Macquarie, for instance, is, is you know, on this area. So we, uh, again, um, you know, invest early on in talent, invest in yourself, ask for those opportunities, put your hand up and say, I need a mentor, I need a coach. Uh, to navigate through some of these difficult, uh, you know, times in in my career. So um, I, I think that's an area of uh, uh, opportunity that I see for sort of challenging unconscious biases, ensuring this gender equity, uh, this gender equality, and uh, and really investing early on so that we don't see a drop in women at the mid levels, which is where most organizations, um, uh, you know, struggle quite a bit. Yeah, I think Isabel Thank is you. back on. Uh, Thank you, Shivani, for that. And you are spot on. Isabel, moving back to you, um, we all understand we are working in very different circumstances and situations. So back to you. Please continue what you were saying before. Over to you. Thank you. I can well, well, Chennai and my mother was giving I hope you can. Isabel, uh, I think your technology, your tech is still giving some bandwidth, is giving some problem because we cannot hear you very clear. So maybe if you sort of set up um, on the phone or something as well parallelly um, while we sort of get on and get some other views, I will go back to Rupinder for now and we'll come back to you in just a minute as soon as you've um, sort of regrouped yourself. So, Rupinder, anything more to add at this point in time? Um, to what Shivani has to say, Isabel sort of just started. It's over to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, um, thank you, Preeti, for um, giving this um, you know opportunity. And you know what? While Shivani did mention a lot of very useful and practical, and uh, you know real problems and the solutions that we are trying to carve for our women leaders going forward, I would again want to kind of take a step back here and. And really redefine what does traditional and non-traditional really mean in this context, um, which which you know actually kind of takes me back to some uh, very old uh, you know TV serials if you really look at it. So uh, one of uh, 
the old ones when we were growing up we used to watch was a series called amc series called mad men i don't know how many of you have seen it but uh, you know typically the men were in charge like don draper and roger stelling are the executives and the locus of power in that fictionalized world of 1960s and 70s uh, you know where women actually used to play secretaries um except or the office managers maybe um you know and uh, i don't know uh, the, the recent one which is relatively the newer one which a lot of you maybe could be referring to is the one from netflix uh, i don't know how many of you watch suits um but if you do you will really really resonate with how the narratives have really changed you know with the ceo of the legal firm being a woman believe you me i i you may call me a feminist but i'm absolutely in love with that serial not because the protagonist or the ceo is a woman but simply because the way she handles her conviction of what she believes in what she stands for and how she takes her male colleagues in the stride knowing that there is a certain amount of social narrative that these male men have in their mind when it comes to women in power and as as shivani rightly mentioned you know women do not usually shy away from taking a seat at the table so that's one form of one extreme of looking at a non traditional aspect of a career journey where you know women are fine enough to own up to the position that they want to kind of have they are okay with having power and they want to take everyone along the second uh, aspect here to really kind of talk about is the fact um you know i saw this advertisement um, i think a few months back it was a viral advertisement going on social media groups wherein there was an experiment which was done with children and um and kindergarten children okay and we're not talking about uh, the real uh, corporate world or the real world kindergarten children a teacher asked them to draw she will take the name of uh, the name of a profession and the, the students are supposed to draw uh, who does that profession is represented by uh, you've seen that advertisement right uh, you've seen that so and typically when they were asked to draw a woman a nurse they would draw a woman when they were asked to draw a pilot or a firefighter they would draw a man uh so uh, you know my whole submission here is and i do that and i think that's a firm belief that i hold that as champions of diversity as women who've kind of made it and spoken up and chosen to have a different career i think it's also our responsibility to frame those narratives early on in the children and the ecosystem that we live in and try to bring about a gender neutral perspective to all the professions going forward so i think i'll just hold my my thoughts here we see isabel back uh in the frame so isabel uh, priti back to you guys thank you so much uh, for that upender i'm sure we will be diving back and forth like this into so many other narratives which surround this very important topic but for now it's back to isabel isabel the floor is all yours thank you so much i hope you can all hear me now loud and clear super okay awesome so welcome from chennai and i'm here with danwan who is a male horse and sunshine who is a female horse who is standing just behind him and uh what horses teaches a little bit about women empowerment is that 
the leaders are usually the females so the female horses in a group are the leaders and if you let them run free you will see he is always following her and she is telling exactly uh where she wants to go and how close he can come so yeah i think horses are showing us this in a very particular way and since childhood i've always been intrigued by horses and it's been a really big passion of mine to work with horses so i call myself a horse leadership coach because the horses really teach us a lot about leadership just by the way of learning from observing them learning the examples from nature the biomimicry how we can really adopt the best practices in nature and really reconnect with our roots and um, I started off, uh, I was born in Austria, in the heart of Europe, close to Germany. And uh, my dad actually was expecting a boy. So he said, you know, I would like a boy. And it turned out that I, I become a woman. <laughs> um, I think he was still very happy but kind of i think that rubbed off so i was always very much inclined towards uh towards things which boys would do so i would play uh soccer i would just go out for hiking and a lot of these activities and sports and then i i'm very much interested in engineering as well i studied engineering and about 14 years ago i've come to india and I worked at uh, BMW and I worked at uh, several other companies as well. And uh, for example, at BMW, I worked in a manufacturing plant. Manufacturing is not very well known uh, to, uh, to be the right environment for women. Uh, we had, I think, about one or two percent of women working in the company and i led a department where there were more than 100 men and we were like three three ladies in a department but i think you know it's really it's not so much about male and female it's much more about really empowerment also men face sometimes the same struggles to get heard to get their ideas voiced out and i think each one of us should be taken as as a full doesn't matter if we're male female or if we are horse yeah and uh i really i found out with the help of horses that it's always best to you know follow your heart and uh, follow your passion so a few years ago i said uh, i really want to combine the leadership and the business aspect together with the work of horses and so i've been uh doing my courses to become a horse leadership coach and that's what i'm doing with a lot of companies now online as well as uh in person and it's been a fabulous thing and the the message you know i think everybody and especially every woman should get is that uh you are much stronger than you think you are and that we can really do everything and we don't need to wait till 
till we retire, we don't need to wait till children grow up. We don't need to wait for anything or anybody, and we can just do it. That's it from my side. Thank you so much. Thank you, Isabel. It will really help if you could share just one example of how you use the host in terms of a training environment. Because it's picked my curiosity. I would just like to get maybe one or two examples from you just for a better understanding for myself and also for the audience, I suppose, including Rupinder and also Shivani. I can see the intrigue right there. So help us understand, please, Isabel. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Now you heard Danwan breathing out very loudly. I think he is getting bored of too many explanations because horses are like really embody things and they always respond to you in the moment and they can really pick up on our energy and body language. So one interesting thing what we do in in-person trainings, we have the people together with the horses and the horses pick up your heart rate your body language and you know your energy even 100 meters away from you so they are so sensitive and we in this process we become more aware of our own impact on others so normally participants tell me you know this uh you know the horses are so sensitive they respond to everything and they really, they can understand me. And that's what people say after working for one day with a horse. And then I need to explain them that actually people are as sensitive as horses are, just they don't let you know. And, you know, to get a little bit rid of your, your mask and to connect deeper with people. And what we do in an online environment, for example, is we go on a treasure hunt through the whole farm which we have here and do a lot of team interventions and connect us back with the horses where we see how these horses interact in a big group together with each other, what are their characteristics and how they bring out each other's talents and take each other as a full team member. Right. Thank you so much. Absolutely brilliantly amazing. And uh, while we sort of get on with our discussions, if you'd like to get a little bit comfortable and go indoors, it's absolutely fine with us. Dhanwan is also getting a little bit impatient. So we'll see in just a little bit, Isabel. But thank you for those amazingly brilliant insights. Never am I ever going to see a horse in the same light ever again. And I can guarantee I can say that for Shivani and Rupendra here as well. So once again, uh, in all, um, what is sort of coming out is from Isabel's talk, what stands out to me was it's all in your mind is what she says. We as women, we decide that we suddenly can't do something. And what she meant was just get out of your mind, get out of your comfort zone. And there's nothing that we as women cannot do. Don't wait for anything. Don't wait for that retirement. Don't wait for the kids to go out of the house. The time is here, the time is now, which means I think live in the moment, enjoy every day as it is, and then think of the rest later on. So absolutely amazing insights. Rupinder, um, I'm sure there have been a few questions um, in the interim. So I will hand them the baton back to you, my dear friend, and uh, sort of get started on this bit. A very quick reminder for the audience uh, here, please, in case anything is popping up now that you've heard both the panelists, now is the time to please put all those questions, queries, comments in the chat box 
of this live so that we can take them up with Shivani and with Isabel who will be back with us in just a moment. Over to you, Rupinder. Thank you. Yeah, so and I and I already have the first question uh, here popping up from the audience, uh, Priti. And this question is for Shivani. Uh, Shivani, you represent, uh, you know, the women in finance per se. Uh, you know, you may be in the role that you're in, but you've seen this world like for the last 15 odd years is what I hear from your experience. So the question is that what can women in finance do to help them equip themselves apart from, of course, the technical skills that are there, uh, to tradition, you know, to kind of make their their own space in this traditionally male-dominated world. So, if you have some tips and tricks to share with people, that's an interesting question, uh, Rupinder. And uh, uh, first of all, I think uh, we are breaking a lot of barriers, uh, even in that space. What seems like a traditionally male-dominated industry. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud and pleased. Uh, um, our organization, Macquery, our CEO is a woman. And we are one of the largest financial services firm in the world. And we are led by Shamara, who's our CEO. And she talks very actively about, um, once again, something that Isabel said, I don't think it's about gender anymore. It's about the role that you're doing and how well do you do that role. So as long as we are able to disassociate and say, you know, a, a male CEO or a female, all genders really, I think it's about how well uh, you do what you do and the value that you bring. Uh, having said that, I will take a step back, uh, Rupinder, to respond. And I'm going to look at it very quickly from two sides. One, what women can do. And the other, maybe one or two things that organizations can do to, to have enough uh, representation uh, as well. Uh, so what, um, you know, women can do, build strong networks. Uh, you know, you spoke about how can we move away just from technical expertise. I think our education system equips us really well to do that. But do we have what we call as life skills? Do we have what it takes to, um, you know, to sort of, uh, again, speak up? I'm, I, I can't I can't reiterate that enough. Uh, you know, how well do we do that? Uh, do we build our networks? Um, you know, I have done that in the first few years of my career. It was always easier to send an email than to pick up the phone and call up somebody and say, this is who I am and I'd like to have a chat. So, you know, building those networks is going to be really important uh, in the organization. Keep yourself updated. I think most financial organizations are now becoming more fintech. Um, so, you know, what are those skills uh, that one can pick up and, and really, um, you know, whether it is through a coach or through a mentor or through formal development programs, I think, again, asking for what you need and taking that seat in driving your career conversation is, is what women at the workplace can do. Equally so, I, I don't want to underestimate the power of male allies in organizations. So, um, that's really important. So I think from a culture perspective, inclusion, um, equal opportunities, um, you know, we sit back and we challenge ourselves in, 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 in my organization. And fortunately, wherever I've had the opportunity to work so far is are our people practices free of any unconscious bias? Um, you know, are we likely to jump to a conclusion and say, oh, but this role requires 14 hours of working and someone who's just got married, will she be able to do that? Well, that's not for you to decide. You know, the candidate knows what they want and that's why they've applied for a role. So really challenging, um, uh, you know, a lot of those unconscious biases early on in organizations, having a strong ally network, uh, whether it is male allies or even lean in networks. I think those are the two things that organizations can do to really enable 
uh, better gender representation across uh, levels in the organization. So those are my, my thoughts on women in finance at the workplace. Sure. And isn't it so heartening to hear that, uh, you know, as you rightly shared with us, that the global leadership is, is the whole, you know, McCoy globally is led by a woman. Now, uh, you know, frankly speaking, it's not, as you rightly mentioned, it's not men against women. It's part really building that allyship and say, is the organization giving right kind of opportunities and exposure to the women who kind of really deserve to move to the next level? And how can we equip them, handhold them, mentor them, support them, coach them um, to uh, get that seat at the table? And finally, also laying the responsibility with the women to speak up, own up, build your own networks and not really depend only on the organizational resources to kind of give you a push. It's, it's, it's something that you have to own up for yourself. So thank you, Shivani, for calling it out and also um, living it loud, right? You kind of own it and you do it the way it, it is supposed to be done day on day. Excellent thoughts. Thank you, Shivani. Back to you, Preeti, on this one uh, for the next question to Isa. Thank you so much, Rupinder, and spot on. Welcome back, Isa, once again. The next question is from Purnima for you. She says, uh, Isa, what are the top three challenges that you have faced when setting up yourself as a horse leadership coach and how did you overcome them? It's over to you. Thank you. Yeah, interesting questions. I never, I never thought about, you know, what were really the challenges. It was certainly challenging. And I think the bigger, the first, the biggest thing was that I leave my job. Uh, because I have been doing this next to my work and this was also known to the HR department and everybody. And at one point, I just had to take a decision because I needed much more time in order to develop a business. You cannot be uh, doing a corporate job with a lot of hours in a week and then still run your business. Yes, you can do that for some time, but at one point you have to take a decision. And then, you know, when you have a good job, when you are actually happy with it, but not as happy as you could be, then uh, you really have to take the call. and usually everybody in your environment will tell you oh why do you want to leave that job you're having such a good job and um you know why don't you just be happy with that and why do you want to start something different where you don't know in what you are really stepping into so that first challenge is to really take a call into your job and doing it full time. I mean, the first step is to do it part time and see the response and then to really step into it and say, yes, I am ready for that. And I think that's what every startup has to fight for. And for the first few years uh, to really get through that, I mean, we are still uh, getting through the crisis. And I think for every company, it's a big change. And so the first thing is really to take that call on your job. And second thing uh, would be that uh, maybe you should understand that even first that uh, setting up yourself as a coach is running a business. Doesn't matter if you're a coach or if you start a manufacturing company or if you become an artist. I think you have to understand that it's not only about, you know, 
I'm not with the horses the whole day working on leadership exercises. I have to do so much more around it. And that goes from accounting. Maybe I would need Shivani's help. <laughs> and, and your finances and your budget up to marketing and uh, communications and putting the word out. So it's so much more. And I think many of us uh, underestimate that. And if it's not going well, it's most most often not the case that you know you're bad at what you do. It's just that maybe you cannot handle everything in the surroundings. So I think that's a important step to really become an entrepreneur. And if you are a coach, you have to become an entrepreneur uh, unless you are employed by somebody. So, and the third one, the third one will be that you know nobody, uh, you know. There will be always somebody who is not happy with your decision. There will be always somebody in your family and somebody in your surrounding who will say, you know, I told you it's not going to work out, especially, you know, when it's going down or, you know, when last year COVID started and then everybody is telling me, okay, I told you, you should have stayed there or you should have done this. And I mean, that's not helping in that way. Uh, but this is going to happen and uh, there will be always somebody who is not happy with that decision and as long as you know you can make it work uh, it all what counts and I think uh, yeah to build up a support network what uh, what we discussed earlier I think is really important what Shivani said to have that support network because that's also important as an entrepreneur if you don't have that if you don't have somebody to fall back to even if it's a friend who has maybe gone through that same experience then it's becoming really difficult thank you very much for that and you are absolutely spot on with that entrepreneurship is a lonely journey so the more you surround yourself with five good people i think that is what makes it that much more easier so you're absolutely right and so is shivani saying how much a network is important for anybody's survival. Again, gender doesn't play any role over there. It is basically as a human, we are social. We need company. We need conversations. We need constant stimulation to our senses, you know, all the five senses. And how can that happen? Only with company. So you're absolutely right. With that, I pass the baton back to Rupinder. I'm sure she has another question for somebody right here. Over to you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty interesting discussion and of course questions are popping up from the audience. So Isa, there's another one for you if you if I can share this with you because it's specifically addressed to you uh, by um, someone called Ashish here. And what they're asking you is, so what gave you the inspiration or the idea to, uh, you know, bring on horses as leadership, uh, you know, props? So how did you draw that idea? Where did you draw that inspiration from? Yeah, th thank you very much. And hello to Ashish. <laughs> he has actually worked with, uh, with some of our horses in Mumbai and uh, for a few hours. And yeah, I think the inspiration really came from, I mean, we all go through our experiences and we sometimes discover some problems inside the companies we are working in or inside our own private life and 
if we can come up with a solution to that, uh, that's what I kind of did. So I was sitting uh, in a leadership training in a classroom setting and the classroom was four white walls and there was no connection to the environment. And the class was actually really good and the content was really spot on and we did some interactions and then, and, and. but this was a three day course. And after three days, my boss asked me, so, you know, can you sum up what did you actually do? And it was kind of blank, you know, I can remember it was good and we have done something, but I could not, you know, pinpoint what we actually did and what it was. So I thought about this and I'm a very hands-on person. I love to spend time in nature and I think so many people, you know, really enjoy being in nature because it gives us so much more peace and balance and we just need that as human beings. And so I thought, you know, we really, I love to work on this experiential uh, modules and then I started this and of course with the passion with horses it was very close that I do this with horses horses are actually the only animals at the moment which are used for leadership trainings there are also donkeys which are used and uh, you use different animals for different kinds of work if you want to do more in terms of teamwork and team building, there are courses with uh, with sheep and with goats, and uh, there are things with with dogs where you can build empathy. So, and you can go up uh, hiking in the Himalayas and do a leadership course, and that's something which is really exciting when we can learn from these simple but very very effective. Uh, things from nature and I would say everybody who has gone with us even if it's through a one-hour session they are not forgetting it for a lifetime and this is the kind of thing we want to really absorb and this is if we could burn it you know into us that we are powerful and that we can do anything if a message can be so strong that it can be remembered for a lifetime. Then it's something what we have really, we have really done something good. Thank you so much, Isa, for that. Um, I think you just um, brought the heart out of the horse concept. So. Um, I personally am, am kind of um, a, a firm supporter of animals. I kind of have a very fond association uh, with nature per se. So I completely align with, with what you're saying and something which is very noble you're bringing to the table, right? Um, and there are so many leadership lessons that are right through now there for us to kind of take cognizance of, learn from the environment, um, and, and, and you didn't really imbibe going forward. So thank you for bringing that on. Back to you, Preeti, um, if there is another question for Shivani. Yes, indeed there is. Thank you, Rupinder. And this one is from Rajiv for you, Shivani. He goes, uh, who is your role model, Shivani? Where is it that you draw your inspiration from? Thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's going to be the most difficult one to answer. A lot of, uh, uh, well, um, uh, a number of them. 
but uh, you know i i think early on in in my life i've had the opportunity to to have an environment at home which was gender neutral uh, you know where uh, i and i come from an armed forces uh, uh, background so it was very very clear at home with my dad that it was never about who would play what role so so everything was equal uh, for all of us uh, and i think that sort of early on in my mind uh, it was it's such a strong lesson that i've i've honestly it's only in the last few years that i've started to understand that there are gender biases that exist because i've spent majority of my life believing otherwise uh you know and it's only when you start working uh you know in honestly in 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 uh in the workforce because the gender representation is so skewed uh, that that's when you start to challenge yourself and say you know why is it so skewed um so well i get brownie points from my dad and sorry mom if you are tuned in <laughs> as well uh both of you because i've had that sort of a background early on in my career and i think work wise i really really look up to uh, to shamara i've taken that name and that example uh, i'd like love to share a short story uh, you know that uh, that shamara who's the ceo of macquery shared with staff a couple of months back uh, the importance of the right environment and early on helping everyone get equal opportunities and she said uh, that there was this interview you know that was being done at home with her kids and uh, she went around and she asked her young daughter who would you like to be and she asked the same question of her son and her daughter said i'd like to be the ceo of a big bank and the son said i'm happy to stay at home and look after house you know what a beautiful way to just break those stereotypes and 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 that's that's always stayed with me so i think you know the 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 good fortune of having a great upbringing so so my parents have been big role models for me and i think i really look up to shamara who's our ceo uh, for just some of these really powerful uh, lessons uh, in my career ईजबल Says and let me pull that right up and I will read it out for you. She goes, "Hi Shivani, how about learnings that don't go well?" So, hi Isabella, how about if the learnings don't go well, any career decisions that do not go your way, then what do you do? So, Isabella, it's over to you, and then I will come to you, Shivani, with that. Thank you. yeah i think i mean there's a, there's a quote behind it also which says you know either either you succeed or you learn i mean there is no way of uh, of failing yeah you just do it and either it's successful and if it's not successful you learn something out of it and i think we all had some uh, some some things which didn't go so well you know i have applied uh, early in my career to so many jobs and i have uh, not uh, you know succeeded in getting a specific job i wanted to uh, sometimes you know you don't get the boss you always wanted you get somebody <laughs> who who is not a kind of role model you want to have and it's very difficult to work with 
somebody who whom you have as a boss or as a superior in that way so uh yeah sometimes things don't don't work out but i think we can only you know learn from that and what i learned you know i learned from the i had some really good uh, role models and i also had some really bad ones and at least you know you learn oh this is not how i want to be or this is not how i would like to do things uh when i get the chance to and i think if it doesn't go well you know really try to follow that kind of ikigai uh i mean i think many of you know what is the ikigai you know where the four parameters meet yeah? and uh you can google it and it's a simple exercise which everybody can do and it's really eye-opening what you find out about yourself and really sit down with yourself i would say and figure out what you really want to do i mean uh you know if your dream is to work for google or if your dream is to work for linkedin i am sure maybe not now but maybe in one year maybe in two years maybe in three years maybe in four years or maybe in five years you are going to make it happen if this is your dream but always question yourself you know why is it your dream and money is usually not the dream behind it it's something else so uh you know figure that out that's that's it from my side thank you so much and you're absolutely right on so many levels right there you know it is all about introspection it is all about finding the right voice inside of you so thank you so much for sharing that um with us right here and shivani it is over to you please for your insights thank you thank you and um, isabel that was fantastic like i said right at the beginning i'm sure this conversation will ensure that all of us take back something uh, you know for ourselves uh, so uh, so thank you uh, for that response and and the only thing that i can add to that is certainly careers are not bed of roses um, you know one does make career choices uh, you pick up roles uh, that don't go all, that don't always go your way uh, but like isabel said it's always a learning opportunity uh you know and and something that i practice for myself is uh, a lot of mindfulness a lot of meditation i try and do one minute every one hour to just let go of the previous one hour and all the emotion associated with that last one hour and and just sort of look ahead and say what can i do differently in the next one hour so don't get caught up in that in that emotion that's something that i try and do and and once again there are no wrong choices in life really these are all learning experiences um you know i think it's about time that we all stop chasing career progressions career uh, you know level progressions rather and we go after experience because then it doesn't matter what you do well and what you don't do well because you are after an experience and you are after uh, gaining that value so that's that's my perspective thank you so much and you're also absolutely spot on my dear friend shivani right there um it is all about finding as isabel said the ikigai you know what really matters to one person and that can only happen when we introspect when we go for the stuff that makes us happy rather than what we think makes us happy so absolutely right with that um the live questions have come to an end but we have reached a very important stage of this conversation which is it's all about putting it all together so our friend rupinda will help us very quickly to sum it all up so that the audience has those bullet points 
to takeaways before we close off today. It has been scintillatingly amazing so far. Rupinder, it's over to you, my dear friend. Thank you. Preeti always likes to give me the tough job, uh, which is okay, Preeti. I think I've kind of learned to kind of hang on in there. And it's always very tough when you have um, such diverse experiences coming on board. Um, such authentic, real, bold, courageous woman talking about what has made them tick and what they can and how they should give it back to the world. So let me try and make an attempt at it while you've kind of um, really heard it from else. Um, I'm going to try and summarize the conversation um, at, in, in the form of what I'm taking back away from both of these lovely ladies and of course with Preeti's perspective here. Uh, as, as a woman who's been in different careers, you know, right from the very start, the first and foremost, I think for all of us is the necessity to frame the right kind of social narrative in and around us, drawing from, uh, you know, the query CEO example. If you set the foundation right, which was also done in the case of Shivani's own personal life, I think you've already moved miles ahead of not only challenging the biases that the society holds, but also giving a head start uh, to the women in your home and, you know, to kind of take it forward. So that's, I think, the first and foremost for me. Uh, the second one, one is, is like when you really come on to yourself, when you understand uh, what is your mojo, what drives you, what is your why, what is your purpose, is the second important thing that Isabel pointed out, you know this is it you know then you can put all the energy all the ambition all the enthusiasm in pursuing what what makes you tick and the rest and the rest will follow you know the rest will follow for sure uh, name fame money will follow but you have to really at the end of the day have a very clear why your purpose out there and spend enough time understanding your why um, so that's the second critical point and uh, very beautifully brought out by both Shivani and Isabel. Now, once you have that cleared as a woman in the workforce, I think the third most important thing for us to look at is self-advocacy. Yeah, so the ability to advocate for yourself is at work is arguably the more important ability than ever. You know, the office is no longer just a physical space and a nine to five job is no longer the standard. Working from home, non-traditional hours become the norm. You need to be more upfront about asking for the compensation and flexibility that you need. And it's especially more important for women who are just entering the workforce. We may feel uncomfortable because of the gender stereotypes, and sometimes when we do ask for things, we're not as likely to get them any which ways. So which is why I think it is important for us to speak up. And how do we speak up? Start small, maybe, and start for sure. Uh, keep practicing it as you hone your craft going forward. Um, make sure that you tune in to your individual style, uh, you know, whosoever you might be. Um, this there has been enough and more research in women being more empathic leaders. So make empathy your advantage if you are one. And I remember again going back to uh, one of the anecdotes from Lean In book, wherein Cheryl says that, you know, I wish that uh, 
um, you know, more uh, girls who are termed bossy are termed that they have leadership skills rather than being termed bossy. So make sure that you identify with whomsoever you are, but use that quality, that trait that you have to, to your advantage rather than to your disadvantage. And finally, the bigger message from here, from both of the lovely ladies is team up. Yeah. So when the team time comes that you want to ask for something bigger, whether it's a role or project or, you know, an opportunity. If you have allies, if you have sponsors who pitch in there, who have your back, uh, who, who are your trusted colleagues, you know, you can make it big. So do not try to traverse the whole journey alone. Uh, ask for support, seek help, and make allies in the process, in the journey of being what you want to be. So I think that's broadly from all. I'm not sure if I was able to do justice to whatever was shared, but I'm sure uh, there's enough and more wisdom in the room here. So um, with that, I'd just like to take a pause and back to you. Thank you so much. You and so you know, any which way I would invite uh, Shivani and Isabel for their couple of quick tips to the audience before I say the word of thanks and we call it a day today. So let me first come to you, Shivani, for a very quick couple of tips and then it's over to you, Isabel. Shivani. Sure. Uh, speak up. Uh, that's tip number one. The second is don't beat yourself down. It's absolutely all right uh, to go at your own pace. Uh, don't compare somebody else's pace to yours. And the third, which is for me the most important, is look after yourself. Um, it's only when your cup is, is full is when you can pour into someone else's. So those would be my quick tips. Thank you very much. And with that, I'm back to you, Isabel, for your two or three or five tips, please. It's over to you. Thank you. OK, I only have one tip. You know, I'm all about action. So my tip to you is whatever you have heard, doesn't matter if it's like finding your why, Rupinda has said that again, eh? or finding a connection or building your network or uh, your ikigai, whatever it is, take some action right now, you know, write it down, uh, call somebody, talk about it, take some action right now. And action is the only thing which is going to help you to actually get the results because the results will not come uh, just by thinking about it, but by taking actions. So that's my last, uh, my last small tip. And I must say, Isabel, you are a woman after my own heart. So the three things that I myself believe in is execute, be consistent, and don't compromise on quality. And the rest, everything else will follow. So with that, I think it has been an absolutely amazing 60 minutes of very quick tips and insights onto this very deep and vast topic, uh, which is women in unconventional careers, breaking the bastion, what to do, what not to do. We cannot sort of even scratch the surface in an hour, but the whole point of actually starting this conversation is achieved. And for that purpose, the job of this panel, Rupinder and me is done. So with that and everybody's permission, the HI panel and me say a very safe and be well and you know, rest of the state, take care of yourself, your family. Until the next time we meet again, do take care. Goodbye for now. And it is bye bye and sayonara and all the rest of it. So 
This was Diversity Dialogues with Preeti Chaudhary, Dr. Rupinder Kaur, Shivani Batra and Isabel talking to you about this very important topic. See you next time. Do take good care. Thank you.